What kind of therapist are you? I'm a holistic therapist and coach. Um, and what's under this name, it's, it's an umbrella term for things that I'm doing. So in terms of coaching, I work with life coaching. Um, I work with youth, youth, basically. So I do young people mentoring, uh, awareness and focus coaching. And also breath, mindfulness and kinesthetic awareness. And I'm just rewinding. I'm preparing currently my website. So <laughs> when I'm talking to you, I have my, my menu in front of myself. Um, but I think that is... And the voice coaching, obviously. Voice coaching is the very first step on this journey. Uh, because I have a musical background. And whenever I say I have, I had a musical career, or I have a musical career behind it, feels a bit like... Hmm. I don't want to have it in the past. <laughs> you still want to have it now? Yes, I mean, I, I have it in in the future. I, I I have my my path, and my path is at the moment very much within the holistic therapy and coaching. So so there is this coaching pillar of what I'm doing: so the life coaching, youth mentoring, voice coaching, awareness and focus coaching. Um, in, within the therapy, I provide counseling for individuals and couples, um, also within the spiritual journey, and I work with addictions. Good work. Mm. So you're from Poland. Mm. Whereabouts? Uh, from Bielsko-Biała, so central south mountains. And how old are you? In Poland, that's a very rude question. In Britain as well. <laughs> Are you being rude? I gave you food. <laughs> it's time to go. No, that's fine. I don't have a problem about my age. I'm 42. Very good. Mm. Well, you're looking very good for your age. Well, thank you very much. Here we are. That's the fuel. <laughs> I, I can eat again. <laughs> you, you should, really, because it's, it's, it's for, you, for you. You're very it's, sweet. It's a feast for thank you. Thank you so much. Well, I'm sorry to ask, but I'm interested. How long have you been in Britain for? Um, since 2013. Okay, why did you come over here? So I was um, touring internationally as a singer um, between 2009 and 2013. So I was in Europe, in Asia, in the Middle East, and um, I think it was after being in China when I kind of got really, really ill there. And um, I decided that I would like to settle somewhere I've been a bit tired with kind of performing and traveling all the time it felt like you live in a little bubble of performing in the evening then resting yourself after then you know eating preparing and performing and and that was kind of how life looks like for me for about five years so at some point I felt that I just want to settle in one place and uh, develop my career from there. What kind of singing was it? Um, jazz singing, pop music, a little bit of musical, but I've never been a typically musical theatre singer, so mainly jazz. Were you singing solo? Or with in duets, uh, trios, quartets, quintets. How many people were you travelling with? Well, it depends on the contract, so it depends how big the band was. So. Sometimes it would be a duet, sometimes it would be a trio or quartet. 
In what kind of settings? Uh, sometimes it would be performing in a lounge, sometimes performing concerts, sometimes performing background music. So variety of different gigs, really. And had you performed in Britain before? Um, so I had my debut concert in Jazz Cafe uh, in Hammersmith. I played in 606, Pizza, uh, Pizza Express, Upstairs Ronnie Scott's. So I've managed to, to have quite a few very nice gigs in, uh, in London and met lots of top players, made lots of friends. So it was interesting for me to come to London because I think it really helped me to appreciate my value as a musician and performer and um, enabled me to realize it's it's like when you when you have something to bounce your idea off when you're immersed suddenly in a big music musical uh, community you can see how people are and how you're presenting yourself and and all those realizations um, together with meeting loads of great musicians uh, I've been at Ronnie Scott's for about six years so um, had opportunity to meet lovely lovely people and and grow there as well as and a person as a musician as an artist as a manager and you decided that Britain would be a good place for you to settle down um, I studied uh, English philology so I am familiar with culture, with literature, with mentality. Um, I could have gone to the United States, but because of the visa and all the formalities, it was a little bit more uh, troublesome, let's say. Not to say costly, <laughs> which it was as well, but just Great. troublesome, yeah. So it was a bit more natural to come to the UK. Were you spiritual? spiritually minded when you were singing before you started what you're doing now yeah i started meditating when i was 12. okay so you've always been like this yeah i was, born, I was born like this <laughs> superb <laughs> yes so it's always been a part of my journey and um, and it's it was interesting to see how my journey with breathing and spirituality and and understanding the concept of being present now in in this moment uh, started sprouting from this age of 12 and was carried and developed as my uh, as my life progressed and my career progressed because as a singer you need to understand breathing because breath carries the voice so therefore i was studying more about breathing different techniques of breathing and uh, at some point i've managed to find out, discover, get an insight of, of a simple technique of teaching breathing. It was around 2015 when I started teaching um, breathwork and meditation. And um, I'm just wondering where, where I was going with it. Whether I've always been that way. Mm. Mm -hmm, very much so. Um, well, how did you go from singing to doing what you're doing now? Right, okay. Yes, so... As a singer, I was um, uh, at some point started teaching singing, became a vocal coach, and that allowed me to, in some ways, honing my skills as a teacher, but also see how my ideas are impacting my students. 
So that's how I developed my uh, breathwork method. But also working with singers, um, it's much more than just working with the voice because voice expresses our inner nature, our concerns, our emotions. So when you work with a singer or later speakers, you work with their mindset and you work with their emotions. And I, I've been coaching singers for over 12, 12 years now. So that's a long journey with the mindset and it's a long journey with emotions and helping helping them to open up to allow themselves to come out explore experience and build up on that and correct and develop so that that whole journey led me to uh, what I'm doing now there's another aspect of what I'm doing which I haven't mentioned yet uh, those are complementary therapies so I work with Reiki I work with um, sound therapy and and with energy work so the energy work really started from breath work and and working with the breath working with people that I was teaching how to breathe uh, I could see how that changes them I could see how it changes changed me as well so it all seems to be unrelated but it's very much at the core of from breath to raise the awareness from voice coaching to expression mindset emotions and then at the beginning of pandemic i decided that i don't want to work for anyone else i want to work for myself and i started educating myself how i can build up a business not that it's the first time when i'm doing it because uh, in poland i uh, my first job was as an interpreter in um, um, in a corporation. Um, I've worked in banking as well for a few years, which wasn't completely my path, <laughs> but sometimes you need to go there to find out. Um, but that was a lesson, that was an experience, valuable experience that taught me um, about organizing myself, so that it was really valuable. But long story short, um, I started from inviting a couple of ladies and providing them with mindset coaching. I didn't use the term life coaching then because I just felt a bit overwhelmed by it. And it was a little bit similar, like when I've realized that I can teach meditation, I was just this, this little shy <laughs> Sonia inside. I was like, mm, me, <laughs> they had to, <laughs> I had to work on it a little bit and um, and raise myself to to accepting this and 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 kind of don't have that. Um, am I really good enough for it? Kind of a thing. Um, so I've invited those two ladies, worked with them for about with one lady for six months, with the other lady for four months. Got amazing results with them, and uh, that was that confirmation. And that led me later to do a certification in life coaching, uh, led me to get a qualification in counseling. And I started uh, collaboration when I moved to Bister. I started collaboration with the local, uh, uh, local organization for mental health. So I started seeing and meeting uh, clients basically. And working with them uh, as a creative person, I started initially practicing what I've learned and then 
putting different elements into the process and seeing how they're working. And that's how holistic therapy and coaching was born. So when someone is not feeling happy within themselves and they come to me and they're open to this process, they will get heard, they will get understood, they will get supported, but they will also get some practical tools uh, once they've processed what they need to process, what is painful, what is difficult, what needs to be brought into the surface. Once they're ready, um, then we are starting at certain, starting looking at certain exercises that are very much targeted on how we can get to the point in which you want to find yourself. So when I arrived, sorry to interrupt, Sonia, but when I arrived, you said that happiness is at the heart of what you do. Yes. And you said it was synchronistic that we met. I totally feel that, especially today, that you've managed to just send me a message yesterday and today I don't have anything planned, which is totally not like me. And I can show you my calendar to prove that. So yeah, this this is I think it is a beautiful synchronicity and happiness is very much at the core of what I'm doing. That's how my uh, personal journey started. I've always been interested in finding the truth. The truth of who we are, the truth of where we came from, the truth of what is this reality about, what is life about, all those very fundamental questions. They've always been at the very core of my um, being. And I think they are still for many people. And because they don't get to go there and they don't find their own answers, that's why they're unhappy. Because they don't know what is the point of life. They don't know where they're going. Because that wasn't a part of their experience to consider those Fantastic. Sonia, I'm going to interrupt slightly because I need to set up my phone again to yeah. do the live feed properly this yeah. time, now That's that we've fine. finished eating. Mm. Even though it's going <clears> to <throat> slow down the podcast a little bit, because I think this is really important to um, to do. So I'll just set up the phone once again. useful great hopefully that will work okay because i think people get a lot from this but also from the podcast when mm. i publish it um, when the magazine comes out so yes could you tell me what the purpose of life is what's the whole meaning and what are we doing here mm. in my understanding the purpose of life is evolution is gathering experiences learning from them and growing so when i'm talking about experiences I'm going beyond the understanding of a negative and positive experience and negative circumstance and a negative emotion. Going beyond that and seeing the experience as a valuable format of learning. So learning through the experience. So regardless whether the experience, regardless of experience being pleasant or unpleasant to us, going through that experience and reaches us, allows us to grow if we have the right mindset. So having the mindset 
adjusted into seeing what you can learn from a situation tremendously helps to have a different outlook of life and to really grow and I think that the mindset is a, a very core of happiness for me happiness is a state of mind the happiness has several different keys I actually this morning I was writing down the whole page about different keys I wanted to write just free but I have more I found more of them but for me the three main keys are to have an open mind to have an open heart and to be humble those three are the most important things you need to be honest with yourself you need to do some breath work and the reason why it is so important and i'm using breath work with all my clients is that breath work allows us to create a little space in the mind and with the right guidance through having this opportunity to have that space and realizing who we are, which Prefer provides us, we can realize that we are not our thoughts. We are the awareness, the, the consciousness behind the thoughts. How Breathwork allows us to create a little bit of space in the mind. And when there is a little bit of space between our awareness, consciousness and thoughts, it gives us opportunity to manage thoughts. So this is a part of my holistic therapy in, and coaching where I teach my clients how to manage their thoughts, how to interact with their thoughts. And breathwork is necessary here because otherwise mind can literally overtake. And very often people think that they are their thoughts. But thoughts are a product of experiences, uh, messages that we've received in childhood, emotions, triggers. There's loads of different things that impact human thinking. But when we when we have that experience, and, and I love that whenever I'm asking someone to do a simple breathwork exercise that I created, and then I ask, uh, I, and then I ask them, did you have any thoughts? And they were just like, no. I said, but you didn't disappear, did you? And they were just like, no. I said, so are you your thoughts? No. So, so where were you in this quiet moment? And then that's how they realized that they truly are this awareness. Could you explain to people listening what breath work is if they don't understand already? Okay, breath work is... Um, set of techniques working with breathing so putting your attention and focus into the breath there are different ways of doing that meditation is part of them uh, but i i entered it in a, a bit more simplistic way which is actually wonderful so the idea of putting your attention into the breath itself may be challenging because breath is very subtle but when we listen to the breathing it's a little bit easier because we're engaging our uh, auditory system to follow with the attention so if i'm breathing My attention follows the sound 
in the same way like you would be listening to the music so just second by second by second by second by second my mind is present with this sound when i start with uh with people i all also use a hand movement to link and synchronize the breathing with the hand of the with the movement of the hand so that there is even more attention needed to perform this task and i didn't have a client yet who would be able to think doing this exercise first time it's just too many points of um focus needed to do it correctly so what is the breath work is basically breathing techniques breathing techniques recognizing the breath putting your focus your attention into the breath being present with the breath connecting with the breath and what's the point of it is it to focus the mind it is to focus the mind it is to discover that space it's also to experience us or ourselves or oneself as a being because when you get yourself into this place of silence you can really observe everything you can feel more you can understand more and there is much less clutter uh, people experience more more peace also bringing bringing your focus into the breath brings you into the present moment so when you are in this present moment, 99,9% everything is okay. Most of our anxieties, stresses are around things that happened, may potentially happen, on what if they will happen, but what's happening right now? Unless you're in a war zone, everything is fine, really most of the time so realization of this helps tremendously to feel better and then the more you do it the more you are in the present moment and the more you're experiencing that is actually that is actually okay so it's a form of meditation yes that is the entrance to meditation that's how you enter meditation through breathwork also guided meditation is another way of uh, learning how to meditate i on purpose don't use the word meditation because i know that people have different experiences with meditation and some people who tried meditation and for whatever reason they couldn't get into it i don't want to discourage them that's why i'm talking about breath work just basic pure technique of getting the focus into the mind meditation meditative state of mind is a result of that so i suppose there are so many ways in life that one can become happy but this is a really basic sort of pure way a fundamental way to become to it's, i suppose it's going onto a path of becoming calmer definitely so that you can become happier when you talk about all the different things that you get from breath work mm. like uh, more peace and more energy more focus definitely more focus more more peace i think more energy maybe i think it's a little bit more uh complex than 
just do breath work and you're gonna be happy. I think it's like the first step. There are various reasons why people are not happy and how they experience their life. And also we are complex beings. So for me, happiness is a state of mind, but for somebody else, happiness will be to have family. Which doesn't mean that it's not part of my happiness, but maybe for them, this is their understanding. So really, as many people, that many uh, definitions of happiness. But for me, happiness comes from the mind, is a state of mind, because within the right state of mind, you can experience peace inside. I would say that definitely another very important step into happiness is connection with your own emotions and understanding your own emotions. And this is something that we are still very, very much, um, um, we're not really comfortable with. I see, I see loads of that all the time. We don't have the tradition. Uh, I'm talking even about Europe, um, or maybe even even further tradition about talking of emotions within families, and lack of connection with the emotional dimension creates a lot of suffering, and this is something that I'm seeing all the time during during therapy, during working with people, during retreats, lack of connection with uh, with that this dimension. So. I'll just quickly digress and say that for me, within a human being, we have few different dimensions. So there is a there is a dimension of consciousness, which is like the overarching, the big boss. <laughs> there is an intellectual dimension, everything around thinking. Logic is the bottom line as a reference point. The the crazy, undefiable, contradictory, emotional dimension which we cannot understand if if we want to use the rules that manage intellectual dimension emotional dimension has its own lack of rules it's just there it can and it can be a cluster of many different emotions in the same time and that's absolutely fine because we are complex so we can be happy and a little bit frustrated in the same times feeling curious and a bit sad because we are happy about one thing and frustrated about other thing and we are sad about something else. So that's how this all is possible to happen. But very often um, people try to understand or manage the, the emotional side using the intellect and the, the rules and regulations from the intellectual dimension, which doesn't work like that. It, it just doesn't. Emotions just need to be given space. They need to be acknowledged. They need to be felt and they will go away with time. Sometimes if there is a trauma or there is a deeper issue, then obviously we need to work towards allowing them to resurface and being experienced and being processed. So we have this consciousness dimension, the big boss, we have the intellectual dimension, we have the emotional dimension, we have the physical dimension and we have the spiritual dimension. And that is more or less of my knowledge today. <laughs> I don't know what I will discover later, but but that's that's what it all is. And and within the holistic therapy and coaching, that's what I'm doing. I'm working within those old dimensions. Sometimes I'm using, for example, kinesthetic awareness, working through the body, putting the attention into the body. 
connecting with the body, feeling the body, spending time with the body, that can be a meditative practice. Anything can be a meditative practice, even eating. <laughs> or DIY can be a meditative practice if, if the head is not going like a crazy horse. Well, I was going to ask you about that because at night time I always wake up and sometimes I can't go back to sleep. Often I can't go back to sleep because my mind is going like a crazy horse. Mm. So somebody told me, just concentrate on your breathing. Mm -hmm. So I'll lie there and I'll think about breathing in air mm -hmm. and exhaling air. Mm -hmm. And I'll do that maybe five times and then my mind goes off again like a crazy horse. Mm -hmm. And then I'll stop myself mm -hmm. and maybe minutes later I'll come back again to breathing. Mm -hmm. But I cannot maintain that. So how long does it take for a person to come to you and then learn just to be in the moment and concentrate on the breathing and nothing else. That's more than one question. You've asked me two questions. How long does it take the person to come to me? Um, it depends on the person. Sometimes it's somebody who just wants to better themselves. Sometimes it's somebody who really suffers and they're just like, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do it. <laughs> so that's one answer. But but uh, I guess you're 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 asking me how long does it take to get there. So first of all is regularity. I say start your day with three circles of breathing. I can show you in a moment how, how am I doing it. Three circles of breathing to start your day. It takes you about two minutes, not too much. Three circles to finish your day. Do it every day. You, most of people see results after the first week, even uh, maybe around two weeks. Sometimes, if the mind is really, really busy, it may take a little bit longer. But what is needed, as with any skill, is repetition. So, it's also important that whenever your mind's mind kind of goes off, just bring it back. Don't go into thinking, don't go into beating yourself up and, oh, again, I'm up, and then here we go, the monkey is going. No, just bring the focus back to breathing. So if you do that with time, those moments in which the mind will be quiet will slowly get longer, slowly get longer, slowly get longer. And that's how it starts. Uh, when I teach breathing, I, uh, I use the hand and the breath follows, the eyes follows the hand and the breath follows the hand. So if we would do that, do you want to do it with me? Sure. Yeah, am, sure. I, am I supposed to follow your hand? Uh, no, you do your breathing and you synchronize your breathing with your hand. Can I watch you first? Yeah. Okay. You could see there was no stops and no pauses in between the inhale and the exhale. And this is really important in my method. No stops, no pauses in between. So the whole breath runs like a circle. There is a sound that you're listening to, so it's easier to draw your attention because you're listening to the sound. You're synchronizing your vision with the hand 
and you adjust. Sometimes it might be a very big circle if you can slow your breath down that much. But if you can't, you just do a small one. It's What is important is that part of this movement is the inhale, part of it is the exhale. So you can think about sound like almost like a paint on the canvas. Does it make sense? So you do three circles mm -hmm. and you're just concentrating I suppose that helps to focus rather than yes. just thinking about the breathing. Exactly. That is <clears throat> that is the most precious thing about this method. That it really engages attention on so many levels that it's impossible to think about something. You really need to focus to do that, to to connect inhale with the exhale, to make the sound as you go along and then to use your hand and watch it and synchronize the movement of the hand with the breathing. So there are several um, places in which you need to do that connection. So when you do this three times in the morning and then three times in the evening, every day, with time, your focus starts to get better and better. And then I say, well, maybe do five. Well, how many have you managed to do? How many circles without thinking about anything? I spend a lot of time not thinking about anything. It's possible. Yes. I would love to know how to do that. I've just told you. Will you have? No, you just need to do it. Well, how long does it take the average person to stop thinking about anything when they're doing that? Does it take days or weeks or months? Well, as I said, they, the, the first improvements are noticeable after two weeks. What else is happening when you're doing this? Because it's it's something that's spiritual, I guess. Mm -hmm. So what other things are coming to that person? I think that it's important not to generalize because uh, everyone has a different mind. That's that's the first thing. So for, for someone it will be two weeks, for somebody else it will be one week. Uh, sometimes there's a part in, in us that is just like, eh, maybe I'm not gonna do it today. It's just. I'm, I'm busy <laughs> so we can't listen to this part because this part wants us to stay where we are it's the voice of our comfort zone and the comfort zone is wonderful but nothing goes there so if we stay in the comfort zone even if it's abusive even if it's toxic even if it's not pleasant it's our comfort zone so our system wants us to stay there and that's why sometimes we procrastinate or we just don't do things that we want to do and we know that they're good for us. So first thing is to do it, to do it every day. How long does it take for average person? I can't answer the question because nobody's average. Everyone is unique. So breath work is at the core of what you do. Is that how you start everybody off? I would say that mindset mindset is at the core because in order to start working with a human being i need to understand what is their mindset and even more so i need to understand what is their problem the core of their problem but very often it's a mindset anxiety it's a mindset depression it's a mindset and I'm, I'm finding it more and more and more as i go along that twisting the mindset not twisting adjusting is the right word adjusting the mindset started sprouting different approach, started sprouting different thinking, started sprouting different emotions, started sprouting different actions, started sprouting 
different experience and the day becomes a little bit nicer. So that's where it is, it's the mindset. There are few tools that I'm using, so it's not just one. That's why I always say it's, it's really good to come and work with a coach, <laughs> a professional, because they can help overcome what we can't see from our perspective. The same goes for me. Whenever I want to make a, a, a step forward, I will search for a guide because the guide can see outside of my perspective. Yes, now after over three decades of meditating, I feel very much connected to the source and I, I get lots of insights and and it just flows through me. Things are happening, the manifestation, all those things that we sometimes um, hear about are part of my experience, but it's 30 years later. But nobody taught me that. Everything that I've learned, I've discovered myself. So. I always say, you know, it's you can save yourself thirty years. You can you can you can learn so much within six months time that it's literally life changing. Um, and I would say that sometimes what what is tricky is that when you when you're trying to find and understand things by yourself, you need to go by trial and error. And that is a little bit like being in the dark room, having lots of things around and trying to see what will work for you when you don't know what you're really touching. So I think that that's, um, yes, it does pay off when you, when you go through, through this journey by yourself. But I think that having, if I would have a choice to work with somebody, I would definitely do it just because I would save time for myself. So would you recommend that everybody comes to see a therapist like you? Because some people in their life might think that they're happy and they might be just bimbling along doing what they normally do and they're quite, quite content. But if they came to see you, they might learn that actually they're not that happy or they could be happier. I guess it depends what somebody wants. Because if someone is living life and they're happy, wonderful bless them that's 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 lovely that's what we want we want to have happy life uh, people come to me for two reasons either they are unhappy or they want to discover what their eye are capable of or they have the courage to say well I want to have life of that this is what I would like and there we sit and we look at okay so what's stopping you this and this and this and this and this okay so how are we going to bridge that gap we're going to start with the plan we're going to start from here so it's action accountability action accountability checking correction so it's a process that that's purely coaching but when someone's suffering i need to understand why they are suffering and what's happening in their mind the way they see themselves they need to understand as well why they are the way they are and uh, and big part of coming out of that is working with the breath work because that helps them to have a little bit of space between themselves and their faults. And then there's still, there is whole process of correcting the habit of being them old self and creating them new self, not repeating certain behaviors, correcting the thinking, 
correcting the thinking as we go along so they at some point it becomes their experience that's how it works could you give me an example please of somebody you don't have to mention mm. who they are because obviously it's confidential yeah. but <clears throat> an example maybe an extreme case of somebody who's come to you and perhaps you haven't even agreed of what their goals are perhaps you don't think it's healthy or right and maybe you've helped to steer them find find actually what they should be looking for maybe they come to you with a, a different idea but then eventually they they find themselves but could you give me an extreme example of somebody who's come to you um, needing to find what they want to find and perhaps not really knowing but then the, then through your work for your help they found themselves um, I actually worked with a celebrity a while ago and um, the topic of our meeting was very much um, voice coaching but then we started working with the breath and we started working with our energy centers so through that we got into releasing certain traumas from the past and helping them grow spiritually and as a performer as well but i would say that most of time uh, people do know what they want they not necessarily know how to bridge the gap but they know what they want and when they want something is it often a humble want or is it sometimes very superficial and maybe they want more money because i did meet a therapist recently who said if you want more money then you can have more money yeah it's absolutely possible uh, mm, i would say that in my experience most of uh, most of clients want to feel better sometimes they want to have a happy relationship sometimes they want to have the job of their dreams sometimes they need to save marriage sometimes they want to grow and discover who they are sometimes they don't want to suffer so it's it's loads of different reasons i i don't think i've had someone who would like to have more money <laughs> um but i think uh, for me personally i love challenges so I would love to I would love to work with someone who is um, who'd have some big asks and big big visions because uh, everything is possible. I I also have a background in corporation. I understand leadership. I understand uh, hierarchy of organization and how it all works together. So I work uh, with a client where I'm doing uh, leadership. Uh, training um, leadership coaching and it's interesting how part of that journey is the, the very much inner journey through personal traumas through personal struggles into then working with others and managing them so so it's a it's a minefield I think that one of the biggest challenges are addictions just because of the uh, nature of the disease which is very complex and it attacks your thinking it attacks your heart it attacks your body so it's a really solid grip um, and again I see that approach of holistic therapy and coaching together providing the kind of 360 degrees support for for an individual so it's not just this with counseling sometimes it's it's providing this listening space and sometimes that's all we need 
but sometimes that's not enough because just giving somebody space to talk will not necessarily help them to move on they will they may move on on some levels but not necessarily on the others so that's that's why i am more and more developing this form that came to me also from my background as a coach because i see it more effective is it possible to cure addictions with medicine only or does that not heal somebody properly i think that uh, in my opinion no because addiction is much more deeper than um i don't know a lesion or the skin it's the thinking is the interaction with the addiction in the mind is rec recognizing the voice that tells you to do things and and also understanding that it's not you but it's the disease talking to you and not interacting with it so there's a need of support network and there's a need of coaching and there's a need of giving certain tools but most of all there's a need in the person uh, the need of change they, they need to want to change if they don't want to change nothing can help them how many different techniques do you use to cure addictions I don't cure addictions I work with clients to help them overcome addiction and move out of addiction I would uh, I work with different different things so part of my work as well as I said is energy work so I work with Reiki I work with sound therapy that helps clearing the energy levels of the system so that's that's part of that but there, there will be mindset coaching there will be breath work there will be certain tools and exercises uh, so I'm combining everything that I know to support that person but I also I'm quite blunt with what I'm doing so I think for me very important uh, stage of um, cooperation is is the first I see it even as a cooperation you see this this uh, for me it's a dynamic collaborative process is that you want something and I'm gonna help you to get there but I need you to be on board and I need you to do your part of the work and that's how it works and is it necessary for people to believe in spirituality when they come to you no i don't have i don't have any limitations in terms of who i work with so i would never I, my my services are open to people of all faiths um lgbtq and ia communities or i'm not not necessarily very well informed in all the details of that name but um for me what i'm interested in is a human being what they believe in what sort of sexuality works for them i welcome everyone because for me it's the human being that i'm interested with and and that i want to help and i want to facilitate their journey so they don't have to some i do ask uh, i do ask my clients whether they are spiritual or they follow any certain religion or tradition because that helps me to adjust terminology or vocabulary when i'm working with them in a way that i can reach their understanding and speak to them and i guess they have to be open to what you're explaining to them so that they <clears throat> will be open to being healed 
I suppose if uh, resisting and closed, then they'll never move forward. So I suppose you help that happen. Yeah, I think one of the first things that I've learned uh, on this journey is that when a person doesn't have an open mind, there is no even point for me to open my mouth because it's just it's just going to be bouncing off the wall. Uh, in within this field, I'm 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 going to bend backward for a person that comes to me and really want that help, but if if they don't want, then I can't do anything. Um, and I, I often uh, say that during uh, complementary therapies, when some, somebody comes maybe for the first time and they're not really sure what it's all about and what's going to happen here and how this is possible, <laughs> especially when, when it comes to um, distant healing with Reiki, that, that boggled my mind for a long time, but, um, but it works. Um, how does that work, please? How does that work? Well, energy is not really mm, anchored in any specific place. Energy is everywhere. So if you want to think about Wi-Fi, so how this is possible that someone now is listening to us, that's probably the same way. That's the easiest way I can I can explain it. Ah, okay. So I have so many questions. Sorry to interrupt because I know you're going to say something else. That's fine. I'm, I'm with you right here in this question. Sometimes you might think about somebody on the other side of the world mm -hmm. and at that moment they think about you and then they contact you and said, oh, I was just thinking about you. Mm -hmm. And then you said, oh, I was just thinking about you too. Mm -hmm. How can you describe that and explain it, please? If you think about thoughts as electromagnetic impulses and the fact that we're living in a quantum field, that's where it is. I'm thinking about someone. So there's a certain frequency um, certain thoughts, certain electromagnetic frequency being sent into the field and the person <laughs> receives that and that's how, it, that's how it works in my understanding. Yes, mm. isn't that amazing though? Yes it is, I but call it the magic. <laughs> it really does seem to be like that. How many different techniques do you have in your work to help people? So you mentioned you have um, the breathing, Mm -hmm. and the uh, sound bowls that you do as well. Mm -hmm. And then how many other different things? It sounds like you have so many. Yes, I'm overwhelmed myself. <laughs> um, listening, active listening, being present, working with awareness, breath work, coaching, Sometimes working with voice as well. I still I still teach singing and I still work with speakers because that's an interesting one as well. Um, but I also work with voice in the field of somebody struggling to express themselves or not feeling confident about their own voice. So so this is another area where where I can add that angle. Um, in terms of the sound therapy, because this is, this is probably what, what interests you here. Um, so I work with tuning forks, with, with a gong, with my own voice as a sound healing instrument, which is another journey. Uh, Himalayan uh, singing bowls, crystal singing bowls, tingsha chimes, koshi bells, rattles, rain stick. Um, and then moving to energy will be Reiki and um, and I also have my own uh, method which I called Axis Breath 
it kind of still fluctuates with the, with the name, but basically it's using breath to interact with an energy system of another person and to bring healing into them. So you could think about it a little bit similar like Reiki, but without touch. And that for me was was a, an interesting discovery when I when I got myself onto Reiki journey that this is something that came to me but just in a different form and then I've just learned Reiki modality uh, with with its tradition and and symbols so um, part of my journey are the insights and realizations that come to me and uh, nowadays more I am realizing the value of it because I will see somewhere uh, something they called belly breathing, it's diaphragmic breathing, something that I do with my singing students, teaching them how to breathe slowly or with awareness coaching. Uh, there's a, there's all another funky name for this type of breathing and I'm just like, wow, okay. It's, it's really, it's an interesting feeling to see that my own findings are actually very valuable. And that is that is my part of, of working on accepting that and, and, and just being okay with it without being with being in balance. Oh, let me put it this way. Being balanced and accepting that. That's a part of my journey as well. Did I answer your question? I think so. But so there's have you ca can you count how many different aspects there are of what you do? Is it possible to <sighs> how many different aspects of what I'm doing? Yes, how many different techniques? How many different? So when you actually describe to people what you do and what you can do to help them, you probably go through a range of different. I'm going to have a website very soon. <laughs> This will take it off me. <laughs> Great, you definitely deserve it. Yeah. Um, I think it's uh, I think it's a little bit difficult because in the wider awareness, there is understanding of counseling, and there is understanding of coaching, and everything that goes a little bit under different terminology might be confusing, and then it just depends how much a person is curious and open to try something new. That's why. I frame it within holistic therapy and coaching. But the the truth is that I also experiment when I'm working with a person. So because because I'm a life lifetime learner, so everything that I'm learning I'm all constantly incorporating in, in the process. But we could say that it is a mindset coaching, it is breath work, it is counseling and active uh, listening. I have very much person-centered approach to counseling. Uh, it will be kinesthetic awareness, working with the body as and when needed. It will be sound uh, therapy, it will be um, Reiki. Sometimes I work uh, also using Reiki to cleanse and, and, and uh, heal all the major energy systems, so chakras that are located to our major organs. Um, so that's another one. Um, Within sound therapy, something that, that is very interesting is uh, sound massage. 
when a, a Himalayan bowl is placed directly on body, so you can feel this, not only hear the sound, but you also can feel the, the resonance and vibration penetrating the tissues and bones. So it's it's very interesting treatment uh, in itself. Um, but who knows what else I'm, I'm going to come up with. I still have um, some of the aspect of shamanic journey ahead of me and um, looking into druidic uh, heritage, probably that's the word. Um, of knowledge so that's that's another uh, aspect and um, most recently I have discovered aware aware relating no sorry authentic relatedness I think that's the that's the word so there's a practice of mindful relating to another human being called circling so I'm looking into facilitating this as well because it really allows us to connect on a very deep level with anyone. Oh, how do you do this? Um, so one of the one of the so let's 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 imagine that we are circling together for a moment. So I would ask you, how does it feel to be you right now? Wow, I don't know how to answer that at all. Ask yourself. Give what? yourself that space. I'm not expecting you to answer like this. Mm. Just just stay with it for a moment. How does it feel to be you right now? To tell the truth, I have no words. I, I could give words to it, but I don't think they would be correct because I'll be looking for metaphors to explain. Go for it. Go for it. Hmm. You don't need to limit yourself in any way. How about that? Metaphors are most welcome. You can talk about your emotions, sensations, everything that is happening for you right now within you. I'm trying to think of positive ones. Whatever. But it doesn't have to be positive. Go beyond positive, negative. Well, the thing is, I'm enjoying our conversation and actually I'd much prefer that I wasn't recording so that I could enjoy it more. Mm -hmm. But always when I'm interviewing, I'm concerned about the techniques of it yeah, and yeah. being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I really like to eat some more as well. You know, those kind <laughs> of things. <laughs> that's what's going through my mind. And that's being completely honest. Uh -huh. But also, of course, I'm thinking about the next question. And like how does it feel to be you i'm not asking what you're thinking about oh okay well i don't know because i've never been asked that question give yourself a moment yeah but when you say feel i mean we could start going down the rabbit hole of analyzing it so what is feeling is it physical is it mental it is physical it is emotional well i suppose if i was going to answer that i would well, it, then it becomes personal, it becomes about me. Yes, so, exactly, because the, the focus goes into you at the moment. Yeah. But then you can ask me this question and then I will tell you, how does it feel to be me right now? Brilliant, I much prefer that, <laughs> thank you. I'm give it? you a hard time great, and I'll great. make you answer first. <laughs> oh, I have to answer. Please do, give yourself an experience. If you are comfortable with that, obviously. 
I don't really know what answers you you were expecting to hear as well. Maybe you don't have any expectations. Thank you. There is no expectations. There are no limitations. There is no need for positive or negative. Mm. We're talking about experience. How mm. does it feel to be you right now? That's such an amazing question. <laughs> <laughs> And I hope that people watching us can actually hear as well. I've got no idea. And this is why I need to get an assistant to help me who can deal with all the technical aspects. Because, a little bit of advertising. Yes. Well, this is wasted otherwise, because this is mm. all of the interviews I've been making recently are just incredible. The whole subject to happiness, it brings out extraordinary conversations which can really help people. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as feeling, Hmm. Well, okay, there's lots of things. I'm extremely happy to be here speaking with you. I'm very grateful to you for your time and also the knowledge and experience you have and the help you're giving to others. Um, so I'm feeling elated. I'm feeling very positive, very happy. I'm not really too tired. I've just had a really nice snack. So I'm feeling really happy about that. Um, and... I'm feeling that overall there's lots to be happy about because great things will happen from this meeting with you. But I don't know, is that the point? Am I supposed to be thinking about other stuff as well? No thinking, no thinking. Just feeling. You've just said that. And you see, hearing this, I felt a tremendous gratitude and sense of uh, appreciation, which made me very, which made me joyful made me seen and heard and that brings a lot of gratitude to my heart towards you how does it feel to hear that feels really good so it's a two-way thing isn't it it's a mirror yes yes however you can do you can do this um, keeping attention let's say for a few minutes on one person and the, the moments of silence are most welcome because it is also about How does it feel right now? Maybe after a moment, something has changed. Maybe certain emotion comes, maybe sensation comes, maybe something else. So there is no expectation to give answers straight away. There is a focus and there is being and relating and also noticing how does it feel when you hear what how what you've shared has been received, what were the ripples of it to uh, a, another human being and what they're sharing to you has an impact on you. So it, in, in, in a nutshell, it's a meditative form of relating to another human being. In my humble opinion, I think it is an out antidotum for loneliness in nowadays time because it allows us to connect. You see, even, uh, even when we started talking about it, there were maybe two or three times when we were just like, okay, feeling, feeling, not thinking, feeling, feeling. And we all need more connection with this perception because feeling is a channel of perception. Thinking is one channel of perception, seeing is another senses, yes, but feeling 
has the same capacity and it brings absolutely extraordinary results when people have the opportunity to learn how to do it because you can feel connection on a deep level is that what it's about connection so if you're alone a lot, if you're by yourself and then you ask yourself that question and you don't have anybody else to answer to... Well, to you still can explore by yourself, nothing wrong with that. But, uh, but uh, circling is available online, even there are options to do it for free. Mm. I think there is one cir circling community, excuse me, uh, in Cornwall, I found yesterday because I, I want to get in touch with them. I I've already started incorporating circling in my practice. <laughs> it's just, you know, whatever I'm finding uh, really that I resonate with, I do bring it on board and I see what is the response. Some some of my clients are ready for it. Some of them are amazed by it. Some of them they start discovering, but it is really really powerful. So I'm also talking about it to everyone now. <laughs> <laughs> because it's just so good and you will use that in your work in the future yes so I, I, I do want to um, because obviously I'm a therapist so I need to go through the process of certification even if um, even if I kind of have a sense that I understood how it works just because of my background and meditative background um, but yes I would like to be a facilitator of that for, for groups just because it's amazing well, <clears throat> presumably, because you have this knowledge, you are a happy person. Because, mm. is, that, is that right? You can apply what you know to yourself as well? I am a happy person because I'm curious and I'm learning all the time. And I have an open mind and I have an open heart and I'm humble. And my, my route to happiness uh, led through three major traumas, uh, led through unhealthy relationships, uh, led through the whole journey of understanding how things work within a human being, within me, uh, the whole process of having therapy and understanding how the family dynamics affected me even though I had a loving family, um, there's a whole journey behind this. Um, getting to the point of being a happy person. And I think it's important as well to say that, yes, I am happy. But it doesn't mean that I am not suffering. I can, if I, if I go, let's say, for a very difficult experience, then I will be in pain, I will be suffering, but it, but it doesn't make me unhappy, if that makes sense, because I understand myself and I love myself, I appreciate myself, not in an egoistic way, and I think this is another trap that sometimes people think, oh, you need to be humble, you need to be quiet, don't talk um, well about yourself because you're going to go and, and appear as arrogant person, and I think that there, there's a real need to, to reach the balance where we can confidently give ourselves acknowledgement for 
um, for the gifts that we have or understanding that we have and we don't need to put ourselves down so all this kind of inner the relationship with oneself is one of the biggest keys to happiness because you can leave any company but you can't leave yourself so for me um, one of the insights that I always share is whenever a negative thought comes to your mind and you start beating yourself up ask yourself what would you tell to a friend who would be in this situation would you tell them what you say to yourself so tell yourself what you would say to this friend and that's how you start great advice Every, so everything comes from within about happiness mm -hmm. I mean I suppose there are external influences like somebody can make you happy but then why are you feeling happy necessarily is that because of your ego or can so somebody make you happy happiness is your internal experience and also what is happiness can you be happy if you constantly need someone around you and you're dependent on having someone to make you happy then you're not happy that's a good point. I suppose many couples do depend on each other to make each other happy. But then that's not necessarily right. When we talk about couples, I like to visualize them as two circles that are overlapping. Okay, so there is a shared space and then there's an individual space. And when people come to the relationships, they are two individuals. And they think that there's this romantic uh, concept of finding my other half. No, you are whole. You are whole. You are a sphere. You are a circle. You're merging certain, to a certain degree with time, maybe even more and more with another person. But you're still an in, in individual. And if you are not happy within yourself, if you haven't worked for your challenges, which I always tell everyone, and this is so twisted because most of people don't go to therapy unless something really bad happens and then their life later changes. And, uh, and I've been through this as well. And I tell everyone, just go and do therapy. Just open yourself up, learn about yourself, go there, clear this up, and then your life will really get better because you will start understanding things. But I think there's another aspect that needs to be mentioned is you need to vibe with your therapist as a person. You need to feel comfortable with them. If, if for whatever reason it doesn't work, just go to somebody else because it is a very, it's a very intimate and in some ways, um, you know it's a human to human interaction so if you if you don't have the feeling that this person understands you or something about them just doesn't work for you just go elsewhere don't don't stay there and don't later say oh therapy is horrible because there are many practitioners and as with any other human being somebody you will like and then the other person you will not like so that there's another aspect i think it's 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 really important but um 
I think that when when we get into the relationship and, and we haven't cleaned our own garden and we don't have self-love, then this is where we have codependent relationships. This is where the other person is making us happy. The problem is that when a relationship like this falls apart, you're suddenly left without nothing because you don't have your own world, because you don't have your own love. You've lost everything. This is devastating. That sometimes is a tipping point for some people to go into depression because they've lost everything because they didn't have themselves in the first place. So what kind of aspects in thinking about themselves can they look at to, to realize that they have got reasons to be happy? Mm. I think that the, this question is one of those where sometimes you need an external uh, perspective because the thinking can just get so entangled in in let's say downward spiral that it's really difficult for a, to see the any other way out of it so it really depends on the person what sort of thinking they have if someone is depressed getting out of depression by themselves i think it's very tricky if not impossible because we can only see as far as our perspective goes we can't see beyond ourselves in a way. I think that sometimes we, we may have access to certain insights through meditation, but that it's still, it will be the general knowledge. It will be the wisdom. It won't be around us necessarily. It can be to some degree, but then that it takes time and it takes practice and, and not necessarily will be conducive to everyone as well everyone's a little bit different so there's a multitude of different variables mm -hmm. that will influence the answer to your question mm. to be honest but i think one that i would say is to start creating a friendly relationship with oneself and that's how you start learning to love yourself and and that would be my first go-to. That doesn't mean that this is the first thing that I'm starting to do when I'm working with someone because everyone is a little bit different. But as you've asked me about the general kind of direction or kind of, that would be my answer. Well, I, I think I've asked you this already, but I, I, I think I need to rephrase it. Um, are you the happiest you've ever been right now or have there been other times in your life when you've been happier? You see, this is another funny concept, because you say happy, happier, or happiest, but it's just happy. You can't be a little bit pregnant, just a bit more pregnant and more pregnant. I mean, yes, technically you can because pregnancy grows, but the state as such is a state of pregnancy. So happiness as such is a state of feeling happy. Yeah, I really have to learn to rephrase my questions, but then I'm learning from you right now mm. about, I see, I mean, I suppose nothing stays at a steady constant all your life. Things go up and down. The only constant is change. Great, great answer. 
So what what makes you happy? Is that is what that a, makes me happy? Yes. At this point. Um, maybe, but but generally, because I suppose most people strive to be happy. Yeah mostly all the time in their life because I mean it's I mean why why do we strive to be happy because it's positive it makes us feel good it's a nicer experience yeah it's a nicer <laughs> experience than being sad yes or suffering it's a nicer experience so I think that's why we strive to feel happy nobody enjoys to feel uh, rubbish so I think I think this about myself um, so the question is what makes me happy My life makes me happy. Uh, my understanding of myself makes me happy. Uh, my sensitivity makes me happy. My creativity makes me happy. Um, my friends make me happy. Music makes me happy. Sound makes me happy. Um, my work makes me happy because I even don't see it as a work now. What I'm doing is, is so meaningful. I can't tell you how it feels when someone tells you, thank you so much, you've just saved our 30 years marriage. You, you can't put any money on, on, on that. The value, the fundamental value is, you can just feel grateful. And that makes me happy. I'm grateful. <laughs> I'm grateful. And the part of that, that feeling grateful, uh, I remember a few years ago when I was going through a certain traumatic experience and, and everything around my reality kind of got smashed like a, like a glass, you know, into, into the dust, not even into pieces, but into the a dust. And I was crying and, and I was in pain and it was, it was so hard. And and then I was I, I, I felt to myself this is interesting but I felt to myself it was tears purifying my soul I'm grateful for this experience let me grow from it let me learn from it and I think that gratitude is one of the biggest keys to happiness to appreciate the experience and see what you can learn from it going beyond this perception of positive or negative or that was horrible why this is happening there is a reason for it there is something there for you to learn from it can you see it or are you just going to be moaning all the time and sometimes moaning is also just pain it's the suffering it's the difficulty but that's the part of this process so moving perception beyond good bad pleasant unpleasant and valuing the experience as such in my view is one of the keys to happiness because you are tapping into the very essence of life which is evolution and growth that's the essence that's the nature of life and we are life forms we are life forms so we are expressions of life so if we don't do that we're going against our very essence which is to grow that's why we're here to learn and to grow and the consciousness that we have in us is it's it's a part of bigger consciousness that's how it's learning that's how we're all growing so with this mindset with this perspective with this understanding uh, being happy is 
not very difficult right now but it's been a painful journey it's been a difficult journey I acknowledge that so I guess that's how I'm happy and is it a journey that never ends journey to happiness mm, no I think that once you gain certain understanding then you are developing that blissfulness you're developing that sense of happiness but also there's a there's a change of perspective that goes with this my my perspective at this point is how can i help more people what can i do from my side to reach out to more people because i can only see as many people you know they has as many hours so there's a switch in the perspective and also what is my life purpose I mean, I know my life purpose um, is, is this facilitating to the others so they can open, they can understand, heal, process and grow. But this is what comes with the sense of feeling happy. You're tapping into a different stream of where your life goes. How do people find their life purpose? I mean, should people try and find their life purpose? How people find life purpose? They first need to find themselves. So we're coming back to what is your relationship with yourself. You will not find your life purpose if you treat yourself like... I don't want to say shit, but that's what comes to my mind. So apologies for, for a bad word. Um, the relationship with yourself, you know? Learning to love yourself, learning to accept yourself. Sometimes it's questions, what what am I about? And sometimes sometimes it's it happens that the people get lost, they, they don't know. And they don't know how to start on this journey. And that's where therapy can be very helpful mm. because it can give those incentives to questions. And sometimes there's another part of us that is, again, we're coming back to the comfort zone. It's horrible, it's awful, but it's a comfort zone, so let's stay there. So someone may, may try to start working by themselves and they will get discouraged and they will leave it and their life is busy and two years ago it was the story and it's still the story because nothing has changed. So there is no accountability for them. And... Um, and I think this is a big part of the process as well, is to push forward, to, to keep the focus in a certain direction. Um, that, that is very helpful as well. People say go with your gut feeling when mm -hmm. you go with something that you, you're not sure of, but if you go with your gut feeling, then you know that it's correct. What is telling you that your goal, let's say to find happiness is, cor is correct? Is it because it just makes you feel good? Is that how you get the answer? Mm, is that about just feeling good? No, because addictions can lead you to do <laughs> what feels good. But is this is this logical? Is it reasonable? Is it healthy? I think that that's part of the finding out um, the answer. Um, but answering your question is, do you hear your gut? Can you hear your gut? Now, how much we are actually able or exercised to use the channel of feeling and sensing in order to gather information? I would dare to say 
very little. Because we are educated and raised very much in, uh, within the intellectual dimension. It's all about thinking. It's all about thinking, about planning, about worrying. The, the stress and anxiety is talked into the fabrics of the current existence, just like that. Oh, everything is stressful. It's not. But if you talk about it like this, then it becomes. And you talking, you see about the words, what you've said that uh, reframing the questions. I'm very specific with words because words describe reality. So it does matter what you say and how you say it. So if you say that your work is very stressful, but actually what you mean that maybe there are certain aspects of it that you don't understand, or maybe you didn't have enough sleep and you're not feeling... Yes, of course, I get it. Sometimes work is stressful. There are toxic people there, unrealistic expectations. I get it. But that can be managed as well from the level of mindset, how we approach that, that situation. So I don't know if I answered your question. Yes. Ish. Ish, but I see it's, it's it's possible to come at it from many different angles. I think that's that's the reason why I'm giving you answers like this because the questions that you're asking me are you're asking about the materia that in its nature is extremely varied, so there is no one direction, no one size fit all approach. Mm. And also. I mean, when you said that some people might <clears throat> sound a bit negative and they say, oh, I'm really stressed, you just get, you just fall into a pattern that repeats itself through life. You just get used to saying that kind of thing. And recently I've realized that actually I'm so used to speaking in a certain way. Mm -hmm. The language I use is actually completely wrong. I'm not actually um, describing or explaining properly how I really feel at all because I don't stop to analyze and think about it so actually yes I'm lying I'm doing myself a disservice I'm not telling the truth unintentionally mm -hmm. but you see it on the tv you hear it on the radio people say the same things repeatedly no, that's why I don't watch it and I, don't I understand it. I remember when I first did my master's degree we had a psychotherapist who used to I mean, she talked about so much, but she also used to say, why do people say, oh, I'm starving to death, or I'm going to die if that, you know, if that happens, or I hate that. You know, they use all these really negative words, and she spent weeks and weeks talking about it. It was, it was really funny, the, the different, um, the different, the different ana ana analogies she used. Mm -hmm. to, and then it, it stops you. And that was to do with design, but the way you think about design as well. You have to really start mm -hmm. it yourself and think about how you think about stuff. Mm -hmm. It was really, really fascinating, but I've forgotten all of that. So you're reminding me now, speaking with you. Well, that's, that's, I guess that's good. Really good, because when you asked me how I felt, I was only thinking about what I was thinking. I wasn't thinking about actually how I'm mentally and physically feeling. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's so I can see that's a very good lesson. Mm. So, um, when, when I first arrived as well, you said we could speak about anything. Yes. And I think, did you say we can speak about aliens? Did you say that? About what we're doing here or? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're welcome to ask me any question. I'll be, I'll be happy to answer. 
Well, a lot of my conversations with people always boil down to what are we doing here? And uh, with that question, I don't mean, you know, like um, uh, the sort of uh, the the physics of, you know, gas exploding and Mm -hmm. planets forming and stuff. But um, what is our purpose here? Because like we're kind of like animals in a way. We're intellectual animals. We're these beings and we've formulated all these really complicated things in life Mm -hmm. in our society but we start off by being Mm hunter-gatherers which is where we came from and actually it's a very simple lovely way of life where we just basically survived and were worried about warmth and shelter and food and that's pretty much it yes but now look at all the other stuff that goes with it it's it's crazy and that's a part of who we are and what we're doing right now and that could break down in the future mm. it'll take a lot i think but life could change significantly but um yes what what do we, what do we i suppose i want to ask you some really basic questions about what are we doing here i did answer this question before you did i did when i was talking about us being forms of life yeah. And what the essence of life is about is about evolution and growing and learning and growing and prog- progress, basically. That's why we are here. That's what we're doing. We are not different than a tree. We are not different to any other form of life in the essence of that we are to grow we are to learn that this is the only way in terms of tapping into this very sense of happiness if you don't if you're not open to growth and learning I see that what is your other way yes there are some people who would say I'm just happy the way I am bless you but that won't work for everyone. Well, I think I asked you that again because you said we're no different from a tree. But I say this quite a lot to people recently. Like, we're similar to animals in a way we are. I mean, that's the thing. What was it? Human exclusionism. We exclude ourselves from everything because we think we're above it. We think we're more intellectual. But the reason why I ask is animals go about migrating and about the, the daily lives and they repeat themselves every year. And I suppose they evolve to a certain extent to a certain extent extent but you know they do what they have to do and they repeat so swallows migrate they go to one place and they live and they come back here mm-hmm. and they live and then they keep on repeating and really they don't cause too much trouble by doing that but it seems like humans keep on making these mistakes like we're always at war you know we do evolve and we go out into outer space and we invent and we but it, it seems like we're not really evolving in the right way. Well, because spirituality is is on its knees, you know. If you look at where 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 the when okay, if we zoom out and we look at the planet, and we look at human species, and we have the systems of go- governing the masses, where is within that spirituality? Just simply look at this, because that level has an impact onto every other person you know where is the recognition of how global farming affects the climate who cares i want my steak so 
this is the level of consciousness it's not coming out of my own habits my own comfort zone my own tastes i'm thinking just about myself who cares that the planet is disappearing i could say as one example but the other example it, it goes it goes more in terms of food in, in terms of allocation of resources things can be done differently even wars you've mentioned there is no need for war wars are fueled to make money so where is spirituality in this i'm sorry i'm sorry but there's a long way long way uh, until we we get spirituality to that level it will be as we as it is because there is no understanding there is no care Maybe there is understanding, there is no care on those levels. And also there are there is no enough care on the other levels. It goes throughout. So there is no difference if it's up and down and anywhere in this hierarchy. Doesn't matter. Does that make sense to you? It does. It does, thank you. I mean, that's good. That feels like a real jump in understanding for me mm. um, but what can be done about that because it can feel quite futile like we're, we're a lot of people are doing their best but the people who don't have any power mm -hmm. can't seem to make much change I don't think so I think that there's a lot of power in the individual and I think it starts with the individual choices behaviors you know how can we evolve, though, to stop fighting wars for good, just to finish fighting? Because it just seems ridiculous. If our planet was threatened by aliens on the outside, mm -hmm. we would soon band together, I think, to stop them, to fight against them, and maybe join up and just would stop fighting amongst ourselves. Why but do you think that someone would attack us from the outside? But I'm just saying, <laughs> as an example. You see, this is, this is, this is, uh, this is an attitude. Oh, they're going to go there and grab me. No, why? no, I'm just trying to find a solution mm. for why we would stop fighting amongst ourselves. It's the, it's the, again, we're coming to the level of consciousness. When you, when you realise, and that's why circling is so good, when you realise, A, that there is no difference between any human being, apart from the fact that we're unique, but on the level of emotions or on the level of relating, the, you know, when you look at babies, whether they are white, black, yellow, whatever, they all smile in a similar way. They they cry when they're hungry. You know, we have those things, those very, very things that we all share. So that's one part. The other part is understanding that this planet is not only ours, but we have other species around and plants, and they have exactly the same right as us to, to be here and not be our slaves. So that's another step forward. And, and the other step, I think, is also, hold on, because I've expanded my thinking. <sighs> Another aspect of it is as well, on the very top, where we are not as focused on money. That's, that's a part of it as well. 
and that's where spirituality comes into it's a spirituality comes into play in a in a big way in my understanding because it is seeing beyond that and if you can't see beyond that then, then and and you can see how the society is created everything is created so you go to the school you learn the pattern you go to work you make money you make you make money to spend them to get yourself into the loan to spend more and you work more to spend more so you're just a cog in the system and and, and for as long as you are in the system your life starts around 60 when you are completely depressed because you don't know what to do because you've never had time to develop your passions to look outside of the box for a amount of people that's what it is and they're not happy because they're human beings they're not doings they're not human doings they're human beings <laughs> you, you're smiling but that's true now how often are we allowing ourselves to be I would dare to say 99% of time we're doing. We're doing, 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 doing. And when we allow ourselves to be for a moment, there's like, oh, I just feel so relaxed. Suddenly everything is wonderful. So you see, in a society that is created like this, do you see what I mean? It is you need to go completely against that in your thinking in order to plug yourself out find a way around it or outside of it and then fulfill yourself develop yourself and facilitate for others does that make sense is I'm wondering whether there was something else that I wanted to talk about and I've lost my plot or am I still on track Oh, definitely still definitely. on track. Okay, Absolutely. No, I love those words. I think I will transcribe those into text for the magazine. Some of those are very powerful. And also they answer a lot of the questions that I have. And I'm glad you mentioned money because I've seen in quite a few people, people who've worked themselves to death because of money, because it becomes mm. their god. And you need money to survive, unfortunately, in this capitalistic society. We need money. You can't get away from that. But some people become addicted to it because I guess they're insecure. They want it to feel secure because it makes them, they think, feel happy because mm. it gives them what they want materially. But yes, I mean, I could mention at least two people I know who've gone to their grave very early mm. because of just thinking about money and nothing else and then of course you lose friends you lose yeah. family and then you might start addictions as well mm -hmm. you can't sleep and you physically make yourself sick so that you die do you think that money is bad well that's such a good question because i spoke with many people about this recently and every single person says money is not bad but i personally do because it seems to cause so many problems. Maybe it's a concept. I mean, maybe instead of calling it money, I mean, we could barter instead. How about if I tell you that money is nothing but a spiritual mirror? How about if I tell you that money is absolutely neutral? Well, that would be helpful. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean by that is that money in itself 
is not good or bad. Your or your or a, a person in relationship with money shows whether they're greedy, whether they are possessive, what is their level of empathy for others. It, it shows, that's why I said, funny enough for me, it, it's almost like a, it is a spiritual mirror. Because it shows you, okay, I'll give you so much money, what are you going to do? Okay, you're going to buy yourself a house, you're going to buy yourself a car, you're going to spend millions of Amazon on 10,000 things that you don't need. What else are you going to do? For me, money is an NG form. I'm, I use this NG, yes. At some point I had to take care of my basic needs and I still am taking of my basic needs and I'm still building up. But for me, it is now using the money that I'm making to grow the impact that I can provide and have on others. It's not about me per se. Yes, my needs need to be met because otherwise I can't help anyone. But it also gives me the opportunity and I think this is a beautiful way um, also of running a business is there is a certain amount of clients who are able to pay for my services okay but what about the affordability which is a part of my oops hold on i will need to bring um just bear with me one that's second. quite all right because i need to press something on my phone as well yeah i give you phone thank Sorry. you okay let me just Pause. I'm going to bring another um, button. I'm going to have some more hummus. It's delicious. I'm eating quite a lot of your food, Sonia. Yeah, sorry. There for you. Oh, you're lovely. It's so tasty. Absolutely, go for it. And I think we're good to go. Oh, we're talking about money. About money. So, so I was talking about using money to provide more, and how it relates to the to the to the business model. So, there are people who can afford my services. And thanks God for that. Um, but then there are people who can't. And for me, it is important to provide for them. Yes, thanks to those who can pay, I can sometimes do charity, which is wonderful, because some of people can't afford and, and they just need help. But working with the groups 
and providing your eyes look very very concerned you're right there I'm looking at the time we've got remaining okay about six minutes <laughs> and then I would change memory cards again because this is such a good conversation that's, that's okay um, so there is this other aspect of um, what I'm doing now more and more is working with groups so for example life coaching is quite expensive I would say fairly expensive so I decided okay once a month I'm gonna run a online session on zoom people can send me any question they want I'm gonna completely go you know let's see what happens if I can answer um, and it is a form of challenge for myself but I also dare to think that I can provide to take part in this is 11 pounds I think if you if you if you don't have 11 pounds to find out how you can improve things for yourself then I think you don't really care so so you know going going this route working with groups providing events or little retreats probably we're gonna do something with Matt uh, next year also I'm starting next year project um, at Wolford Woods uh, will be a day uh, a wellness day where we'll be working throughout the whole day with different um, techniques and tools that I have in my in my toolbox um, so this is the way in which I want to facilitate for more people within a certain amount of time because I can only reach as many people moving forward there will be pre-recorded courses hybrided with interaction with me I think that's good value I think that it's all about the right balance I think it's all about the balance and and you know it's I think also very important is why you are doing something whether you're doing it for the money or whether you have a certain purpose in it for me what I'm doing is my life purpose uh, it gives me uh, an honor to help others and also allows me to grow as well because I am constantly learning different things is there anything that I haven't asked you that you would like to add that you had in your mind before I came that you feel like is really important to mention like to ask you what have you discovered living life the way you've chosen it to live I've discovered although I haven't given any thought to this at all but I think that I've discovered that we needn't live the way we are living right now mm. the way we are living I would say 90% of it is completely unnecessary mm -hmm. <clears throat> when you say the way we're living what do you exactly referring to I'm referring to almost every single part of the society that we've formed for ourselves mm. so we don't need to drive cars we don't need to pollute we don't need to be selfish we don't need to be um, individual mm -hmm. we I mean and then of course then there's there's um, there are answers to that as well. Mm 
because mm. I have my own theories about how we could be living. Mm. And certainly there's been films I've seen in the past, movies, where all are sort of alternatives. And I don't have a utopia, I don't have a perfect solution because I haven't really thought about it too much. Mm -hmm. But I do realise, and that's the whole point of my magazine, is to inspire people to think alternatively. Mm. Mm. And also break out of this particular system and perhaps create our own. And maybe we'll have to soon because maybe there's going to be bad things happening in the future. Hopefully not, but you know, maybe there's going to be more war and there's maybe there's going to be famine and more migration and less food and problems with fuel and things will get more expensive. You know what I would like to say to this, Ed? Why don't we start making things better for ourselves just because we are not afraid of what may happen, but just because we want to have a better life? I really do not give into the... Um, fear-based approach mm. because I, I this is something that I see a lot and I do understand it on the, on the fundamental level I do understand it we all have the reptilian brain and this brain in the past was serving us to tell us you know have a look around but maybe lion is waiting but now I and this is kind of my philosophical approach so nothing personal just just my philosophical approach of of let's search for better options just because we want better options well that's what i mean we are afraid oh no of I, something. I well I, I didn't say that because no, no, i was afraid I, I, I just wanted to share my kind of philosophical exactly right approach. i mean for the benefit of ourselves yeah so we can be happier we can yeah. be healthier i mean i i would just love to imagine that we could live in really beautiful homes mm. which are much easier to heat Mm -hmm. And then we live in communities where we can all support each other. But we mm -hmm. don't have to do this nine to five work. We don't have yeah. to go through the drudgery of commuting and being unhappy. Yeah. And, and all the cost that's involved. And not have any mention of cost. There is no cost at all in our life. Exactly. I think there is a, there's a big, big desire in, uh, in people nowadays to create communities. There's loads, loads of people who want to get out of that way of living that is imposed on us and yearn for connection, for community, for simpler living, uh, living that is closer to nature. And I think this is the nature calling, as, as we spoke earlier. We're forms of life. We're not that different to the tree. I feel best in the forest. Yeah. I just feel at home there. Yes, I, I do appreciate having, you know, a uh, roof and, and, and a warm place to sleep and hot water. I do. I, I like comfort. I'm not going to lie. But when I enter the forest, I'm just like, oh, I'm home. And do you know why? I don't know. Maybe I was an elf in some <laughs> previous lifetime. <laughs> I think that it's just nature, you know, it's it's what connects us, it's what heals us. We, we're part of nature, we're not part of cement. Well, are you happy to carry on for a bit longer? Yeah. Are you sure? Do you have yeah. time? I have time, as I told you. The universe put us together here today and I haven't put anything in my calendar. 
which is un unusual and it doesn't happen moving so anyway we were talking about not knowing oneself and not understanding oneself you said that yeah when when one understands themselves then they can be happy and i i totally agree um, it's like imagine that you are moving to a different country you don't speak the language you don't know the laws you don't know the customs it's a wild west you have no idea what's happening you may be in in variety of different situations so it's a bit tricky to be happy in such situation i'm not sure if it's a good analogy but i i i agree that when you don't understand yourself when you don't know how to manage yourself how can you be happy it's like it's like driving a car if you don't know how to do it how can you get somewhere in a nice and comfortable way you can't you need to know how to change the gear you need to know how to manage the balance and it's the same about managing the mind managing the emotions understanding who you are and connecting with that as well because what you've said about the gut feeling and we're talking about how how unexercised this channel of sensing is within us I think this is and this is part of understanding who we are because emotions are a big part of us and listening to one's gut connection with uh, intuition is a connection with deeper wisdom within us and this is where we differ from animals that aspect of deeper knowing this is something that we can access for breathwork meditation is having those insights and i see insights and i see that working with clients they're not spiritual they're, they 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 came to better their life experience and they're doing breath work and they're starting to say well you know something told me that i should i should do this and i was like oh what was it i don't know i just felt it there i said oh listen to this voice because that's that's your inner wisdom you have that wisdom and, and the realization of this, that we do have that wisdom is powerful because it means that we matter and our decisions are valid and what we is coming from within us is wise. It needs to be respected. It needs to be acknowledged. And, and here we are from another angle onto the journey of self-respect, self-love self-respect another big question is do you trust yourself could be a simple question it's not a simple question at all without trusting yourself how would you like to feel confident not possible so all those things you see they they at some point they start overlapping and then you are on this quest to happiness but there's this part of you that doesn't really want to change anything because we're beings of habits we are one big cluster of habits so when we put awareness onto a one specific habit and we trace the behavior of thought patterns that's how we can change this habit but we need to be persistent we need to be on it on the case and not beating yourself up but just redirecting the focus, changing the behavior, redirecting the focus, changing the behavior, correcting, 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 and one day, ah, oh, 
Now I have a new habit, the one that I wanted. And I've moved out of the old one. But it's, it's, it's a little bit of work. It's absolutely possible. When you were talking just then, you talk about layers overlapping. Mm -hmm. And I suddenly thought, oh my God, there's so many layers to do with adult life. And then you look at children and hopefully, generally, most children are generally happy because they don't yeah. have, they have a naivety and innocence. They don't necessarily understand um, about the world yet and bad things. And also they don't have all those different layers to worry about. So life is quite simple. I love what you, that you brought this because there's a, there's a thing that I really want to share on this is the biggest difference between a child and an adult is that the child is curious of what they don't know. An adult is afraid of what they don't know. And one of my... Uh, I don't want to say advices, but something that I would like to share is how about becoming curious of what we don't know? Can you remember how it was when you were little, you arrived here, you had no idea about anything, you were trying everything, and then one day it hurt. And that's when you've learned that if you don't know something, it may hurt. But because it's hurt, because it's painful in some ways, it's coded a little bit deeper than the curiosity that was there before. Now, can you go back? Can you bring the curiosity? Because really, if you look at anxiety, it's like a coin. And on one side, you're gonna have anxiety, nervousness, yes. On the other, you're gonna have excitement. The sensations inside the body are very similar. Raised heartbeat, a little bit up, kind of, yes, alert. But whether it's excitement, or whether it's anxiety, depends on how you're thinking about it. So here we are coming back to the mindset. <laughs> and how our thinking defines our experience. Interesting. I interviewed a Buddhist monk earlier and I realize now speaking of you that I didn't have time but I would really have liked to have interviewed him much further because I'm sure there's much more things that he could have told me that I need to understand hmm. but one thing he said to me was don't think too much yeah he said just be yeah because this is a horse and it's a wild horse and if you don't know how to ride it it's gonna ride you and you're not going to like it. And, uh, you know, uh, Buddhism, I find a very beautiful practice. I, I, in my understanding, I don't see it as a religion. I see it as a philosophical approach. And, um, and I think that the biggest, uh, biggest love for it that I have is this encouragement for an individual to take responsibility for one's uh, experience. And I think this is a big teaching uh, of Buddhism that I, I really appreciate and, uh, and I love about it. That is, you're not a victim. You don't have to constantly apologize for your existence. How about if you look at yourself? 
with a loving way. Forgive yourself if you screwed up. Give yourself a pat on the shoulder, but also ask yourself, can I do something better? How can I better myself? This path of forgiveness, of compassion to, 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 towards oneself and, and developing oneself, I think is, is one of the biggest gifts that Buddhism gives, in my understanding. That's great. I really love that. Thank you. Because I think a lot of the time people are too lazy to better themselves. So they go down the path of least resistance. So perhaps if they have had an argument with somebody, they could have avoided that by being more understanding of themselves. But instead, it's much easier to have that argument and be nasty because you can get out of it quicker. But perhaps you need to face yourself and suffer some pain internally to make yourself a better person. So I suppose there's a lot to go through if you're going to go down that route of, of bettering yourself. Well, yes and no. I think that just, just um, answering to what you've said about having arguments, it also depends what we have grown up from. If the parents were having arguments, that's the way we've learned to be. And but uh, but answering whether it's it's a it's a lot, yes and no because hmm, because we are forms of life and the structure of life is made of fractals so everything is contained within. When you start working on one habit, you are developing a skill set and stamina. And also the fact that you're working on that one habit has a ripple effect on everything within you. So I always tell someone who is just like, oh my God, there are so many things that I need to change about myself. And I can see that they're already, <laughs> they're already done with it. Um, that's what I say. It's, it's actually not as difficult because every, when you work on one change, one aspect of yourself that you want to change it has the ripple effects to every fabrics of yourself everywhere because of how we are what our structure is like what our texture is like because we are forms of life because we are energy forms because of all of that how it exists we can do this change and it's not as difficult the most difficult is the first one when you go for the, through the process for the very first time. But there's also, I think, a need to get excited about the process. And that's what I say as well to, to uh, everyone who is coming a little bit down, obviously with the respect, uh, if, there are, if there are painful things to process, we need to process them first. But the process itself, when we're talking about holistic therapy and coaching, is not draining and hard and sad and, and terrible no it's actually quite dynamic it's collaborative um, yes sometimes might be some tears but there's lots of laughter because we all have those quirks and and once I think the part of that is also learning how to relate to yourself and see all those little lazinesses and grab yourself and change that and do it and get on with it and and starting to have those re this type of relationship with yourself when from the level of consciousness 
you are managing yourself not your laziness is managing yourself not your comfort zone is managing yourself but you are aware of your faculties of your dimensions of how things are and why they are like this and you know what you need to do and you just do it and you see and acknowledge this is an important part as well you see and you acknowledge the change that has already started because very often the change has started and the person is still going with the old language with the old story and i'm just like is that still your experience do you know i actually don't remember when it was last time when and i said stop talking yourself into the past start talking about your current existence and this is the trap of the mind as well. That's why it's good to work with somebody because on your own, it's easy to, even when you do the change, you still may talk as it hasn't happened. And if you do, if you do talk that to yourself, the change will never embed itself in your existence because it will happen. But then you're going to just talk about past, talk about past, and you're going to talk yourself back into the past. And here we go back where we where we came from. This is one of the things that I, I am very vigilant of when I'm working with with my clients is, is to reality check is that still your experience? Oh, Actually, I can't remember when I was feeling anxious. So you see, this is your progress. Why are you not talking about it? Talk about that. Made your awareness, made your mind listening to this. Talk those words so you can hear it. So then it goes to your mind. It goes into your system. It goes into your emotions. You're just like, ah, okay, I'm not feeling anxious anymore. Say that. Because you're, 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 you've been talking for years how anxious you are all the time. But now you're not feeling anxious, you're just not noticing it. You have to acknowledge these things. You have to acknowledge the change. You need to talk about change. You need to leave that change in order to embed it into your existence. Excellent. <laughs> well, I feel like I could talk for hours and hours and hours with you because you're such a, an amazing mind of knowledge. Thank you. And it's great, it's really great to hear. It's a big help and it's made me ask a lot of questions. Um, yes, I mean, because I came here not thinking that I knew it all, none of us do, but mm. as you said, you have to have an open mind, mm. and this is your profession, it's really fantastic what you're doing, so I suppose my last question is, do you have a message for people, please, listening? Do something for yourself, take care of yourself, because then everything gets better. Are you happy to end the interview now or, or do you want to say anything else at all? I would say maybe one more thing. Try new things. Try new things. I'm happy to finish now. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>